لكل شيء إذا ما تم نقصان فلا يغر بطيب العيش إنسان هي الأمور كما شهدتها بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صلي وسلم على نبينا محمد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته and welcome to the Caravan Sarai. My name is Bilal, and I'm one half of your hosting duo, joined by brother uh, Sadman. And joining us for today's episode is brother Ismail Royer. In today's episode, we hope to discuss some of the social issues that Muslims are facing in the West. Uh, and uh, Sadman, uh, if you want to you know, hand things over to you and you give a brief bio of our guest. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Um, it's an honor to have uh, Brother Ismail today. Just a quick uh, introduction. Um, Brother Ismail Royer serves as the Director of the Islam and Religi- Religious Freedom Action Team for the Religious Freedom Institute. Since converting to Islam in 1992, he has studied religious sciences with traditional Islamic scholars and spent over a decade working at nonprofit Islamic organ- organizations. In 2003, Royer was in- indicted for assisting the Pakistan-based Lakshar e Taiba and pleaded guilty to weapons charges related to the violations of United States neutrality laws. His writing has appeared in publications such as Washington Post, Journal of Religion and Society, Public Discourse, Detroit Free Press, Al-Jumwa, Muslim Matters, and The Catholic Thing. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to pass it back to Brother uh, Bilal to you know just kick off the questions. Yeah, so uh, Brother Ismail, uh, Salman just gave a little bio about you, but if you could explain yourself in a little bit more detail so the audience knows uh, about your kind of history and where you're coming from. Sure. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu salam ala rasulullah. So, um, yeah, thank you for having me. Mashallah, it seems like a very interesting uh, podcast. Um, so I converted to Islam in 1992 um, when I was 19. I uh, moved to um, you know, the D.C. area in 93 to go to um, college, uh, and I joined, uh, initially started working at the World Assembly of Muslim Youth um, at their office in, um, in Virginia. It's based in, uh, in Mecca. And then I, um, after that, started working at CARE uh, just a few months after they opened their office, um, their first office in D.C., and I worked there uh, on and off until October 2001. Um, so I worked at CARE, various associated projects, um, and then other um, Islamic organizations in, in um, the D.C. area, as well as overseas, like um, Islamic Relief Worldwide in, in um, Birmingham, England, and then in <clears throat> Sarajevo. And then I worked at um, uh, something called iviews.com, which was a... Uh, Project of Care and others that was a sort of online um, Islamic uh, news service that's been so you know it doesn't it's not around anymore but it's been uh, absorbed into uh, Islamic City or Islamic City I don't know how you pronounce that dot com and then um, I've uh, I worked I was the president of my MSA at American University and <laughs> in the nineties I was uh, uh, I was a spokesperson for MSA National for a while as a spokesperson for um, uh, for, um, the, uh, 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 legal, uh, defense fund for Samuel Arian in two, early 2000s. Uh, I was, I've just, I've just been, I worked for American, American Muslim council, uh, um, in 96. And so I've, I've just worked for many, many different, not to mention what I, you know, was, um, volunteered in the Bosnian army during the Bosnian war with, um, you know, with um, Arab uh, Brigade there, and um, 
have various other experiences. So as, as you mentioned, I got involved with this group, Lashkar Taiba in, um, in Pakistan in um, the early to in, in 2000, actually. And that led to, um, uh, led to my being indicted. And uh, I was sentenced to uh, 20 years. I got out after 13 and a half years because the Supreme court issued a, um, uh, uh, an opinion that invalidated um invalidated one of the counts that I was charged with. Um, actually, the my lower the my district court found that that was um, uh, an unconstitutional charge, and then later the Supreme Court um, affirmed that that was correct. So that led to my release and two other of my co-defendants, and then a third co-defendant um, who's out on bond while he's challenging his convention conviction. So anyway, the. Um, you know, that's, 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 I guess the, the short version when I got out, uh, since I got out, I've, uh, started working with, um, uh, for something called the center for Islam and religious freedom. And then after that, uh, for the religious freedom Institute, um, primarily it's a, it's a multi-faith organization, primarily Catholic, I think is it's fair to say, although that there are, um, there are people of other faiths there. Um, and my role there is to, uh, research the basis for what might be called religious freedom. Of course, that term is very ambiguous. You know, it can have very different meanings depending on the the, the listener. You know, the hearer. So, um, but in any event, uh, um, that's part of actually what I'm, what I'm researching. What is meant by that, and what is what is the fundamental, um, let's say, like universe, our, uh, universal principles of that that might um, that Islam might support as well. Um, you know, or that finds a foundation in Islam, and uh, to what extent are um, uh, you know are um, uh, to what extent are human beings um, in the vision of Islam? To what extent do they have uh, freedom to um, practice their religion, um, change their religion, and so on? And so, this is clearly a very complex uh, um, topic, and. Not only that, though, I'm I'm also very interested in um, defending, or I say that I don't like the word defending, but let's say like in in um, uh, promoting the, um, yeah, prom- promoting the uh, let's say the uh, um, the the um, uh, the perspective of Sunni um, Islam on matters of um, matters bearing on um, uh, not only religious freedom but also on um, uh, uh, just matters of public interest. Uh, that's also what I do, um, you know, um, at, at the organization that I'm at. Um, so I, I have given a, um, let's say like a voice or a venue to the, vo- to the um, Sunni, Orthodox Sunni position in um, arenas that normally in the past have never had that kind of um, uh, reach. And that's I'm, what I'm very glad to have and, and, and um, grateful to a lot to have been able to have um, had that um, played that role, you know. Okay, Marshall, you have you have a lot of experience spanning many years uh, the world over, and but what we're going to shift our focus here to kind of more the West or more specifically the United States. So, you've had I guess kind of the luxury or the honor have, of having seen kind of the trajectory of of Muslims in the United States over the course of your 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 time as a Muslim. Uh, so how would you say that it's changed with regards to social issues? So you've been around in the 90s and early 2000s, and now we're here in 2021. So I guess what would you say that some, are some of the issues that 
Muslims have kind of changed their opinion on? Because you mentioned that you kind of talk about the orthodox Sunni opinions, but I think it's safe to say that a, a sizable portion of the American Muslim community, maybe the Western Muslim community at large, has kind of moved away from Sunni orthodoxy. So could you offer your opinion on that? Yeah, this is a, a very huge uh uh, uh, topic very yeah my apologies for the broad no, no, question no, no, no. <laughs> okay. kind of jump straight in <laughs> it's, yeah it's, yeah it's very it's very it's very um uh, broad and it's also very deep so there, there's a lot there um so i think to kind of uh it's grab the bull by the horns um you know i remember that uh when i was in prison as a probably around 2014 i was listening to npr maybe it was like 2015 um, I was listening to NPR and they're saying, um, you know, they're like, we've, we've got a, uh, you know, we've got a, a group of Muslim women, uh, young, young Muslim uh, women, students, college students. And, uh, you know, we're, we're doing a focus group with them and, you know, and I was like, oh, cool. And they're like, and they're like, oh, they're, they're all wearing hijab and so on. And then they, you know, they said, um, you know, this, this one sister says, um, you know, she's talking about stereotypes or whatever she says. Well, um, I'm much more likely to uh, 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 to care about uh, um, uh, issue, you know, LGBT issues or uh, Planned Parenthood than I am about Palestine or um, you know or anything like that. And I'm like, what did I just hear? You know, I mean, I was, I was, yeah, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was absolutely stunned. I mean, shocked. I, I, I could not believe what I was hearing. You know what I mean? And in my mind, I'm like, you know, is this like some, you know, is this like some weird person or is this like some, you know what I mean? Like it, cause you never, never, I, n- I never heard any Muslim woman in hijab uh, saying anything remotely. Yeah. Like that. And in, in, in the past, I mean, never, never, it would have. And if, she, if, if she had said something like that at a, um, you know, at a, let's say like an MSA gathering or, um, or something like, I mean, sh- sh- it would have been immediate, like shock, you know, I mean, shock, literally shock, you know? Um, so, um, much, much less at a masjid or something like that, you know? And so I, 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 yeah, I was just, I was just pretty blown away by that. And I, um, um, you know, I didn't know what to think. And when I got out, I, you know, got onto Twitter and I, you know, I was trying to just trying to get a handle on what was going on. I went to my local masjid, um, you know, and um, I, I had a, a fairly um, difficult time, first of all, because, um, well, you know, it, it was hard to get it. It was hard. I'm sorry. I've got a I've got a child in the in the background here. No, it's um, OK. <laughs> <laughs> so I just let him babble a little bit. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of hard to get a fix on um, the pulse of Muslims in America, because, first of all, like, in 13 and a half years, like the entire, you know, Jama'a had turned over probably seven or eight times, you know, at my, at my masjid. So it was like kind of hard to find someone to be like, Hey, what the heck is, you know, you know, what's going on? You know, just trying to, trying to figure out where, where Muslims were, what was the, you know, cause there, yeah. I mean, like in the nineties, we all had this idea that like Islam was continuously getting stronger and stronger. You know what I mean? Like we had this idea that like, that the, the, you know, the Sunnah was, you know, was sort of like, and, and that's, that's across the board from people, yeah, from people who were like uh, uh, Sufi oriented on the one hand to Salafis on the other hand, 
you know, to the, you know, Muslim Brotherhood, you know, um, uh, or legacy Muslim Brotherhood people, you know, like ISNA's conventions were getting bigger and bigger. Um, you know, everything was, was, was really just advancing. And so I did, I did, of course, notice that after 9-11, you know, we took a big hit, you know, there was a big, it was a big stumbling block. Um, but I didn't realize until after I got out how um, major of a stumbling block it, it, um, it really was. And I mean, my community, for example, in Northern Virginia, which was one of the most dynamic, um, vital um, uh, communities in the United States, uh, was essentially moribund. I mean, it was dead uh, when I got out. It was just uh, basically, yeah, still a lot of people in the masjid and still there were like classes going on and there were still people, you know, f- you know, ho- you know, tr- keeping the flame alive, like Sister Aisha Prime over at Darul Hijra, um, continuing to work with the youth and, you know, and, and, and so on. But it was uh, just something was different, you know, something was so different. And I, um, you know, I got on Twitter and I do have to say that, you know, certainly there's a distorting effect when one gets on to, you know, um, social media and tries to, you know, use that as uh, to gauge the pulse of Islam in America, you know, that, that was, um, you know, very, there's a very distorting effect that I acknowledge, you know, that, um, but at the same time, like I've also traveled around um, a lot. I've, you know, I've, I've uh, been to Masajid around the country since having gotten out and talked to people that I trust and that I know and, you know, have known from, you know, decades and so on. And so I, um, I've been able to, I think, get um, uh, at least some understanding of where we're at without, um, uh, you know, without being overly distorted by um, the, you know, basket case that is uh, social media and Twitter in, in particular, you know. So I think you ask me here, like, what do you think, you know, what are some of the causes that have led Muslims to adapt, adopt progressive liberal ideas? Is that, um, I think that primarily, yeah, I mean, I think there's 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 some dynamics here. First of all, and this is something that I've written about in the past. I mean, um, there's pressure after 9/11. You know, there's there's the there's a, a dual pressure going on from both um, the right and the left. On the one hand, you have you know people on the right, and when I say on the right, I don't mean the whole right because these are you know these are both very um, like diverse. There's not monolithic. Neither right nor left is monolithic, but um, on the right, what's considered, yeah, what's considered the right, you have uh, uh, segments among them who uh, um, are, are deeply hate Islam and uh, um, are dedicated towards, um, you know, fighting it, essentially. And uh, they um, also do not like Muslims uh, as a consequence. And um, they, you know, they, they, um, uh, they strive with all their might to um, uh, exclude uh, Muslims from, you know, from the um, polity, the American polity, I would say. And then on the other hand, you have, um, uh, on the left, you have progressives who, and this has been going on, by the way, for for a long time. Um, progressives have a natural, the progressive left has a natural um, affinity uh, or let's say like um, a relationship with, with Muslims. Uh, in America, uh, by virtue of the fact that Muslims tend to be um, people of color, um, and they uh, tend to be, you know, they're immigrants, many of them are from immigrant backgrounds, or they're African American converts. And so these are, um, these are, you know, these are demographics that the uh, that progressives tend to 
um, you know, uh, uh, they, they tend to be constituents of progressives. And um, like, that doesn't mean that these, that these demographics are themselves necessarily progressive, but it's just, these are people that progressives have always, I mean, for, from, you know, you know, for, for, for decades and decades and decades have, have made their sort of clientele in a way. And then the other aspect of it is the fact that the Muslims, the Muslim organizations, the major Muslim advocacy organizations um, in the United States, they, from the, uh, from their inception in the um, 80s to, uh, to uh, their, you know, to the, to the early 90s, um, they um, modeled the uh, uh, this, uh, uh, their their approach off of the civil rights movement, and in the same way that LGBT um, organizations did, and others, um, they fashioned their um, cause of defending Muslim rights and seeking to let's say like uh, situate Muslims into the public square. They took the approach of a um, um, a sort of uh, left wing um, approach. And by the way, the civil rights movement was not. Um, itself uh, entirely left-wing per se, because you have very uh, conservative um, uh, move, uh, aspects to it, like in the Black Church, for example. But then, of course, you also had um, you know left-leaning and even communist uh, aspects to it. So, um, in any event, the 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 uh, the general progressive uh, approach um, was adopted by Muslims, and they began to use language. Uh, that resonated with that, and that's it's normal that they would do that because that um, is the, the civil rights movement itself was based on earlier, um, you know, sort of like abolition um, movements, which themselves were very conservative in, in a sense. I mean, um, uh, religious conservative, um, but um, but that general approach of 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 um, uh, of towards act of of activ- activism um, became associated with the left, and this is what the Muslims uh, jumped on. And so there's so there so this you know set of um, assumptions and uh, these the, the, this, this uh, philosophical approach of uh, victimhood of um, uh, you know of of casting Muslims as being uh, marginalized groups that that um, needed to resist uh, some um, you know some uh, oppression and so on and so on um, is a um, is an approach that. They just adopted because it it it, it um you know it, it seemed to uh, be the way to go and uh, they were right that you know since then that approach has continued to morph and has continued to um has continued to gain ascendancy um you know in 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 American and um and so that's that's that that's why there's there was this kind of like natural affinity there so you have the right driving um, Muslims into the arms of the left. Then you have, uh, oh yes, and, 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 and progressives, they were very eager to allow Muslims a, a role in their movements because this, on the one hand, I mean, it benefited progressives to, to have a new, um, you know, energized, um, you know, sort of a, a, a group a membership, a group membership uh, you know, in their, in their movement, you know, and, and so uh, Muslims uh, became a sort of, uh, means of um, of advancing progressive um, the progressive agenda, and there was this arrangement. Therefore, at the same time, you had mu- Muslims were uh, earlier on, early in the nineties, um, the eighties and the nineties, they were much more, um, let's say, like uh, free when it came to um, supporting um, or taking taking stances that would would have been deemed to be um, 
uh, religious conservative stances on public issues like abortion. Um, you know, CARE uh, actually has uh, <clears throat> it took very strong stands on um, against uh, partial birth abortion and things in the 90s. And, um, well, yeah, in the late 90s and um, and on the family um, uh, at a UN conference, the uh, CARE was, took a very strong position in 94 on, um, on um, uh, 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 to oppose a UN uh, plan that would kind of pr- what was intended to promote, um, you know, um, LGBT and, and, and so on and so on and, and abortion. So CARE took a very strong stand against that. And that type of thing now is over with. You can't, you know, you don't see it anymore. It, it just doesn't, well, they will never take a stand like that. And, and that's not a knock on care. It's just a, it's just a, um, you know, an, an observation of the reality of, um, of, the, of the political situation that we're, um, that our advocacy groups have, have placed, have painted themselves into, in, in, in this, into this corner, you know. Um, and so there are other things that, um, that could be mentioned. Well, last thing I'll say about that is that there's, um, overall, there's a general secularizing term, uh, a trend in the United States. I mean, the, 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 the um, uh, emergence of the nuns, you know, those who check, you know, none and when it comes to religion um, and so on. I mean, this is a general trend in, in the United States um, in general, and that's affecting Muslims as well. And so, so for Muslims, um, their, their religion, their, the, the, con- the religious content um, uh, of Islam is is um, is uh, you know not there as to the extent that it used to be. I'm speaking generally, of course. Um, instead, Islam has become a sort of um, identity group um, that uh, is really um, you know it, its its essence is no longer uh, um, belief. Uh, it's now the most um, important thing. Yeah, yeah, the most important thing. It's now a, it's now a, um, it's now an identity. Yeah, and so you'll hear. By the way, you'll hear people like Ilhan Omar say, "I um, uh, Trump hates me because of my identity." You know, your identity. Everything is identity. You know what I'm saying? It's not that Trump hates you because of your beliefs. You know, because who knows what her beliefs are? You know, it's it's Trump hates you her <clears throat> because of her identity. And by the way, that's not to say that religion has never constituted, um, uh, you know, or or been a part of. Um, or been re- associated with I- identity. Um, that's that's not the case. But um, it, it, what we're talking about is a phenomenon where there's no longer is any religious content anymore. It's more like a an ethnic um, ethnic marker in a way. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think just to make sure we're all on the same page here. So kind of the catalyst towards progression was nine eleven in a way. And the adoption of the civil rights movement, which has yeah. some kind of inherent uh, liberal lean to it, kind of built in, is that is that what you're you're getting at? Yeah, I mean, you know, let me say that, you know, first of all, as someone who uh, was um, uh, 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 very strongly involved in um, uh, civil rights work at care, um, and, you know, and still am actually to, to a great extent. Um, it's not to say, I don't mean to say that, like, uh, I don't mean to say that first of all, that Muslims are not, or have never, you know, don't experience, um, you know, violations of their rights and so on. That's, that's certainly not what I'm uh, saying, you know, of course, absolutely. They certainly do. And I'm also not saying that those, um, you know, that nothing should be done to address that. 
But um, there is a um, the question is what is the what is the approach to take? So, for example, we um, there 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 is a formula. There's a formula that uh, and there's a formula that has been adopted not only by CARE but um, by groups like um, you know. Uh, uh, I don't know, like Sikhs and uh, LGBT certainly, and uh, and others um, that very consciously uh, set out to um, uh, set out to to uh, to follow a formula where it was, um, you know, putting out a, an action alert, uh, you know, Muslims, uh, or you know, what what you know, like like how about that, like something like. Um, uh, you know, Tennessee uh, municipal official uh, must apologize for uh, a bumper sticker, or, or offensive bumper sticker on his car. You know what I mean? And so now, like, that becomes something mm-hmm. that a, na- a national organization puts out onto, um, you know, and, and, and makes into here is, here is a national issue that is, you know, that we want Muslims from all over the, the country to contact this, uh, you know, the, 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 the town of, um, I don't know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, whatever, some yeah. little, town, little town, you know, and demand that they remove this bumper sticker and apologize. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, obviously that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. It's not much of an exaggeration. Or, for example, um, uh, mosque, um, you know, uh, you know uh, our, we demand a hate crimes investigation because someone left a picture of Jesus on the steps of a mosque, you know what I mean? Like that's a, that's, that's a literal, that's a real thing. You know what I mean? And so it's like when that, um, uh, when, when, when such um, molehills become mountains, you know, that, and, and not only that, but then you, you, you approach that with a very shrill and very um, let's say like uh, almost like, <laughs> uh, you know, very black and white, very apocalyptic, um, very uh, let's say like, um, uh, 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 um, uh, scorched earth type of antagonistic, approach. maybe or antagonistic, or aggressive approach. Now compare that, um, compare that to another approach that one might take, which would be to yes, when there are incidents that are um, that come in. So, for example, you're taking in um, um, reports of um, oh, this sister was told that she could not wear the hijab on the job or this brother was told that he couldn't go to Juma, And then you handle that. You, you do what we did actually care for many years, which was to contact them and work something out with the company and try to educate them about, you know, how, you know, what, you know, you know, the law and the issue and how, how can we do that and still not like, and not put your company into a difficult position while the person is away at the, you know, is, is it going to be, um, you know, hardship for you and how are you going to handle that? And then, um, you know, if things if things were were really cool. yeah, in a more in a more let's say like in a more um, I don't know in a more like a sort of friendly uh, fashion, you know, then uh, the temperature um, would be toned down. Now, what you have is you have multiple organizations. You have you have not only organizations, you have individuals approaching everything. Um, you know, you have like microaggressions, but they've always, you know, but that's, that's a, that's a new term for an, for a, for a, something that's been floating around for a long time. And it's like, um, you know, and, and the other thing is this, when you've got, when all you're hearing from organizations is we condemn, we condemn, we demand, we, this, we, that it, it's, um, it grates on people, you know, it, it's, it grates 
on um, the broader society and it's and, and as it would in, in all of our interpersonal relationships if you have a, you know let's say you knew an individual who was doing that you know would you really want to hang out with that person like let's say your neighbor was constantly i demand that you st- stop uh, you know <laughs> mowing my the one inch of my lawn when you're mowing your you know your you know i demand it you know it's like you know come on man you know can we just handle things in a little different way over tea or something you know um so um uh, that is not only the muslims doing that that is everyone doing that in that and that and that um uh, has contributed to a uh, culture uh, and then, you know, add social media into the mix. I think social media is a major contributor that it, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, let's say like it's a, a force multiplier of these trends, you know, uh, towards, well, yeah. yeah. And then, and then there's another very important um, problem. And that is that with the drift away from, let's say like, you know, away from uh, uh, an, a, a sort of knowledge and adherence of, Islam's principles and also just kind of an, a worldview that was centered on um, on Allah and centered on um, the uh, reality of uh, and centered on like uh, centered on like you know I remember back in the day we we, we used to, someone someone um, had a talk with me one time this is like maybe 96 97 97 when I was working at care and I was at a convention and they said Ismail what you need this was a guy from another from a Salafi organization. He said, Ismail, you guys at CARE, what you need to do is you need to have a council of scholars and you need to run by them everything that you do, every statement that you put out to make sure that it is um, in uh, accord with uh, Islam. You know, I remember thinking, you know, well, that's kind of impractical and, and somewhat, you know, uh, going overboard. But at the same time, like that suggestion, um, makes sense you know it makes sense and, it, and 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 you just wouldn't hear people don't make those kind of suggestions anymore you know at least as far as i know i mean they don't you know that that would that would be more absurd now to propose such a thing um now you have for example linda sarsour uh where she you know this this debate that she had with um yasser Qadi a few a couple of years back where she's she's in fact demanding that yasser Qadi check with her you know on 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 um, on things and run things by her, um, rather you know, let alone you know the that the opposite uh, should be true. You know, um, I didn't I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's on. There's a video of it out there uh, uh, somewhere, and I mean, which is so, which is uh, absurd, really. You know. So so you mentioned an interesting point earlier. If we can kind of dive into yeah. it here, you mentioned, uh, you know, there was this incident with the Salafi brother. So would you say that the kind of uh, rescinding of the Salafi movement has uh, a kind of, because of this, that there there's less of a check on the rest of the community? Because the, the Salafi community is well known for this kind of aggressive, we have to run it by. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just putting this out there. They tend to be like that. Right. So would you say that the loss of the kind of the, the Salafi strength is a loss of a check on the community? You know, that's a really interesting question. I, um, I hope I'm not betraying the Amana, but I um, had a, um, a conversation with Sheikh Hamza Yusuf and um, and um, uh, Sherman, Dr. Sherman Jackson, uh, maybe like a year year and a half, two years ago, when um, you know Sheikh Hamza was saying, "I miss the Salafis," you know, and and it was so funny that he said that oh. because <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that he said that because I, I remember, like 
Yeah. I remember back at, I remember in the nineties when we were actually, I was, I used to consider myself selfie, although I've always loved Sheikh Hamza. I just came across a video of myself at age 19 uh, in, in 1993 at a, a conference asking, uh, ISNA convention asking uh, a panel that Sheikh Hamza was on asking a question, you know, so it's, it's really funny to watch it. I found that on YouTube. But anyway, so, so I've, I, I've always been very influenced by uh, Sheikh Hamza, although I did consider myself, myself a Salafi, and I was part of a, um, a jama'ah in, um, a Salafi jama'ah in, uh, in, North, in, in Northern Virginia that, um, one, sorry, one second. Um, yeah, no, I was part fine. of a, I was part of a jama'ah then that um, um, that that uh, was actually actively um, competing with Sheikh Hamza in um, you know because Sheikh Hamza had some had some I want to say recruits but he had some like uh, members of his sort of circle uh, in North based in Northern Virginia and they were you know they would send people to our halakas to like, um, you know, disrupt them and say, oh, you Wahhabis and stuff, you know. And then so, on the other hand. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. And then on the other hand, our, um, I, I can, I could mention who that was that used to do that, but, but it's, he's known. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and then, um, uh, and then we've got, um, and then we, then our uh, people, this was, you know, our Jama'a, our Jama'a was kind of led by Sheikh Jaffer Idris. Um, Sudanese scholar who's deported in uh, 2003, but he um, and a scholar, a professor at um, Muhammad M. Saud University, but he, um, you know, the the the, the leaders of our uh, sort of study circle, um, you know, they used to um, actively talk about how can we, you know, how can we counter Hamza Yusuf's influence, you know, and. You know, and how can we, you know, I mean, it's, it was like uh, the competitions. But Sheikh Hamza was saying, you know, when I was, as I mentioned a couple of years ago, when I talked, or about a year and a half ago, when we had this conversation, he says, um, I remember these, uh, I miss these Salafis because the Salafis are, um, you know, used to, at least, at least they would talk about Islam, you know, at least, at least they were like, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, and so I think that what I, what I really mean to say is that, um, uh, it's just utter chaos exploding in my living room here at the moment. It's, sorry, you're hearing sounds of family here. <laughs> you're uh, okay. Grandfather's grandfather's son, my children, my grandfather, my father, my my son. All right, um, both of them <laughs> somewhat childlike, <laughs> as mentioned in the Quran. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so you know. Uh, nowadays, people are talking about things like feminism, critical race theory, uh, Fanon, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Foucault, uh, Derrida. I mean, these are their, you know, uh, you know, Wittgenstein. I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, they're, they're, you know, you're hearing a lot of, uh, um, uh, you're hearing a lot of that kind of talk, and far, far, far less of, um, you know. Of our um, of our tradition, you know. And by the way, it's not to say that. Um, I mean, I I read many things. I read many things that are you know on philosophy and political science and so on. But that you know the the thing is that um, you know, and that that's actually a, a, a deeper question. I mean, but you know, to get into kind of what we were mentioning before we started recording, you know, you have to you have to ask yourself what um, are the assumptions. Uh, that I that 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 one you know that you were imbibing, 
Uh, what are the assumptions that you are imbibing when you agree to certain conclusions on things? So, for example, you, you know, I, I remember hearing someone say, um, truth is, this is a Muslim saying this, truth is um, inherently bound up in power. And I asked myself how, um, I, I understand that you heard someone say that. And, you know, you probably, read, you know, were, were taught that in, in, in college or in university or something like that. But I mean, um, what do you, how does that like, um, how does that jibe with the fact that, you know, um, you know, the, the, like that Islam is the haq, you know? So it's like if Islam is the haq, Allah is, you know, the dua, I mean, uh, the Prophet says, let me say, the sa'at al haq, you know, and so on. So we believe in all these things are actually true, objectively true. And then to say that, no, there is no such thing as ob- objective truth, um, you know, you're, you're directly undermining your, your, um, your Islam. And that's, that, that's what we're, that's what we're coming into uh, to contact with here. I, I don't, I don't miss, I mean, I, I haven't called my thought of myself as a Salafi, Salafi for many, many, many years. And they have a very, um, a very serious, um, you know, they have very serious issues, you know, very serious problems, but nevertheless, you know what I'm saying? We still, you still miss that kind of, we still miss that um, energy, you know, that they used to have. And not only that, by the way, mass, um, Ikhwan oriented organizations, their, their youth are unfortunately very, very um, influenced by these secular ideologies. Um, and so are, and unfortunately when one finds in many so-called uh, quote unquote traditionalist, uh, which is to say like sort of, Sufi oriented, um, you know, one, this is a common problem affecting, uh, affecting everyone, you know. So, uh, follow-up questions to that. So would you say like, um, the Muslim narrative away from talking about the Quran and Sunnah or talking about things from an Islamic perspective is kind of driven by an inherent belief that younger Muslims are now just starting to believe that the West is superior to Islam. So they're not even looking at what Islam has to say. They're immediately attaching themselves to uh, non-Islamic ideas and just promoting them. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think what it is, is not so much, you know, it's not one, it's not, it's not something like what we used to see and with people like Fatima Murnisi or um, older liberal types, you know, where people had these kind of complexes about, um, oh, well, you know, Islam has to uh, change or reform. Um, it's really what it is, is, is something along the lines where um, people no longer believe that Islam is really fixed at all. You know what I mean? So it's like you can see people, who, um, you know, people will either convert to islam That's an interesting or point yeah yeah people will convert to islam or they'll or they might like be from muslim backgrounds and they'll and and now now they're suddenly like quote unquote identifying themselves as muslims um but they're um, so you know people like michael muhammad knight is an example but there are many 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 similar examples you know and for them you know there is no um there is no normative Islam, it's just Islam takes on the shape of whatever it is, um, you know, that's, that's, that's around it, you know, so it's like, um, uh, you know, here, like a really interesting example is something along the lines of the argument that um, it's the colonizers who uh, introduced into Islam the idea that 
um, you know, the idea that the uh, um, uh, uh, patriarchal ideas of like of, of the man as uh, being in charge of the household and, um, you know, and that, uh, or for example, that um, uh, sodomy is something that is, is wrong, you know, and, and before the colonizers, um, you know, Islam, uh, you know, allowed those things. And uh, in any event, um, you know, many, in the sense that many Muslims did it, you know, in the event that many, for example, many Muslims committed sodomy, many Muslims uh, practiced it and practiced homosexuality and so on and so on. But, you know, what they're doing is they're, um, they're reading back into history. They're, they're kind of supplying it with, its, with, it, with the content that they want to give it. Um, you know, and then if you were to argue with them and say, well, but there's a hadith that says that, um, you know, like every one of you is a shepherd and the, you know, husband is the shepherd of his household and, you know, whatever, I forget, you know, um, or that, you know, or the hadith on, on sodomy and so on. And, and, but for them, those are not relevant. Those aren't relevant things. You know, it's like. I, I, there was a, a scandal uh, not too long ago where um, a Muslim, um, born Muslim, uh, student in, the, in quote unquote Islamic studies, um, she wrote uh, a um, she wrote an essay where she was saying that um, she had discovered where she had found that two um, uh, that a, that a, that an alim or that a qadi had ratified a marriage between two men and. Um, you know, in, in some class, you know, some class, classical period, she, yeah, she had found a, a manuscript of that, you know, or a record of that in some kind of like um, bureaucratic, uh, you know, paperwork or something from, you know, a few hundred years ago. And it turned out that she had, um, you know, mis- just mistranslated, uh, mistranslated something, you know, very, very simple. Yeah. yeah. Thing. And, but the thing, but the thing about it is, is it's like, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, call it confirmation bias or whatever you want to call it, but it's like, you know, um, in an era and in a time when true, what is true is not really important. Um, but what is, but, but what is important is let's say like, um, advocacy, you know, that's, that's, that's the idea behind, behind, uh, post, postmodernism and specifically about critical theory and its iterations like critical race theory and so on, which is that the purpose of scholarship is to liberate. It's not to, um, arrive at the truth. And as a matter of fact, anyone who even claims that such a thing exists as quote unquote truth um, is in reality a white supremacist. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, and that's, that's not an exaggeration. That's, that's actually literally what, uh, or an orientalist or whatever, you know, yeah, whatever word is the smear. Yeah. So, um, so this again, annihilates um, the, the idea of, of finding a, of a normative um theology a normative uh, much less reality you know so i think that's what we're looking at as opposed to that those those more old-fashioned you know the, the the more old-fashioned kind of thing that we're talking about there like like i mentioned with Fatima Renisi and others who were had these very obvious complexes you know where they, were, they had these inferiority complexes where they wanted to um you know uh they wanted to or irshad manji is another one you know these these type of folks mm-hmm. i mean they um uh, they're old school, you know, in the sense that they they actually believed in truth and reality. It's just that for them, the truth and reality um, was was liberalism and the West. That was like 
you know, the, the modern West was the truth and the reality, kind of like, you know, um, Ayn Rand, you know, they're, they're like Muslim versions of Ayn Rand who, you know, was so, you know, so, sort of like I, uh, idolized the West so much and uh, um, that, she, you know, she essentially turned it into an idol, uh, um, you know, and, but, but, um, but today, what the, 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 the notion of, I mean, what postmodernism actually did was it, it attacked that notion, that all truth, not only, you know, so liberalism and, you know, which is the product of the uh, enlightenment, it, you know, that, that sought to, um, that sought to replace religion as a source of truth. It so sought to, reply, you know, to say, okay, well, reason and so on and so on is, is actually uh, the arbiter and, 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 and the human being is the, the measure of all things, which of course is not a new, man is the measure of all things, that's not a new thing, but you know, that's always been a sort of heretical idea floating around in human history. But that, but this was the idea that gained ascendancy, you know, over, over religion. Well, you know, postmodernism, the, you know, led by, you know, Nietzsche and others, their, um, you know, is the grandfather that their um, approach was to say, okay, yes, religion is, is, is nonsense, but also so is the idea that you could arrive at any kind of moral uh, or epistemological truths um, based on reason alone. Actually, as a matter of fact, um, there is no truth. There's only power. And that's the, um, that's the uh, uh, basis of postmodernism, which is a sort of nihilism. Uh, and so therefore, you know, you know, and you have relics again, like, you know, th these are strands that go in, in the culture and some strands become uh, ascendant over others. And so now what we're seeing is that liberal, uh, the, you know, we have to be careful with our terminology that instead of just, you know, when I say liberal, I mean the, the enlightenment type um, view of Islam uh, is, mm -hmm. been re is being replaced by this nihilistic um, uh, sort of relativistic um, anti, you know, when I say nihilist, I mean like, uh, you know, um, this notion that there is no such thing as truth or normative anything, you know. And so that's really what we're seeing now um, overtaking that older, um, uh, you know, inferiority complexes that we used to see. Salman, anything you want to add there? You've been quiet, man. I've just been trying to soak it all up because, uh, well, this one actually, you know, I just have one question about, um, you know, with all these issues going on, are there any, you know, foreseeable solutions um, to maybe, you know, turn back the wheel to how it was in the 90s, how you saw it? Because I was a kid in the 90s, so... I was just, you know, living my life playing ball or whatever, but I didn't really experience that, um, uh, I don't know, that traditional maybe Islamic view. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point. Um, I think that to a large extent, the phenomenon of what I'm talking about, it um, it originated in um, in universities and it originates in, um, um, you know, and it, it, it you know, but but um, it tends to seep into the broader culture, and so that's what we're seeing now. Is like, you know, one could say, well, what this, you know, stuff that Ismail is talking about is really uh, kind of a, a a phenomenon that one finds among, you know, certain let's say like segments of the Muslim community, and that is to an extent true. But we also don't sleep on that. You know, I mean, I don't want anyone to sleep on that because that's. You know that is uh, have that is having its effect. It's it's really truly having its effect. We we see its effect in the national organizations. Now one could say, okay, well that's that's the national organ, uh, advocacy groups and so on. That's not um, you know that's not really uh, 
trickling down to the Masajid. Um, but in fact, it is. I mean, like, you know, in, in, um, in my community here, I'm in, I'm in a, a smallish town in, um, well, not, yeah, I mean, mid-sized town in Pennsylvania. And the masjid out here that I attend, uh, there are, um, there's a coterie of sisters uh, who are very, very much into, um, you know, they're, uh, they're captured by this. And so, um, so you're seeing it, you're seeing it starting to, you know, but at the same time, the, the refuge here, the refuge, and you mentioned like, is there, is there something that can be done? The refuge is the masjid, you know, I mean, they're, you know, and, and I think that we're, we're blessed to continue to have influxes of immigrants, um, you know, who, uh, you know, who, you know, the, the, the fobs that we like to laugh at and so on, uh, you know, in, 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 in good naturedly, you know, um, they, they continue to renew um, uh, Islam as, you know, as they come. And of course there are many people who come, they come just for economic reasons or, or that's the, maybe economic reasons, their primary reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe, then you have refugees and you have people like that, but nevertheless, regardless, you know, people, I was, the other day I was, someone was saying, oh yeah, people aren't coming here for da'wah. Okay. That's true. They're not coming here for da'wah, but a lot of people, even though they're not coming here for da'wah, they, they nevertheless do da'wah when they come here. Um, that's not maybe their primary reason and it should be their primary reason. But they're here and they're, um, they're, they become active in the masajid and they're elders and they have some influence, you know. And so I think that what people should do is to um, keep their children around, um, the, uh, around the elders, you know. Um, keep, their, uh, keep the elders uh, in their, um, you know, in their circles, you know, and be, um, you know, and let them learn from them and let them, you know, hear them saying like subhanallah and alhamdulillah and you know just like the the way that they think and talk and let that let let them experience that you know and another thing that i'll say is that um we need to put a lot of uh we need to put effort towards things like Darul qasim or zaytuna institute um Darul qasim in chicago which is which is really a, an excellent mashallah yeah. excellent yeah you know these kinds of. We had um, we had one of their one of their teachers on for the podcast. Oh, so. excellent! Who was it? Um, Hamad Pervez. Okay. Hamad Pervez. Great, mashallah, mashallah. Yeah. So, so those kind, you know, something like you know, unfortunately, far too much money was put into. Um, uh, I mean, this is going to sound mean, but I mean, into into like national organizations, uh, and 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 not enough was put into these educational institutions. You know. Um, yeah. I do have a, you know, like one could say, well, what about Islamic schools? Like the, um, my children all went to an Islamic school and they, um, I think that they were, uh, harmed by that, uh, by the experience that they had, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So that's a, that's a different can of worms. Um, but, uh, definitely yeah. I, I think, I think that public schools are a disaster an absolute disaster. And I would really, mm. really strongly encourage people to keep their kids out of public schools and at least put them into Islamic schools or perhaps homeschooling. I know that's, that's a big difficulty for a lot of people, but I, I would say that like, you know, the mothers, mothers should, um, should do what they can to re um, recalibrate their, their lives and start and families should start living, um, you know, reducing their, their spending and so on and whatever it takes to, to try to live on one income, which I know is very difficult in our society. 
and 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 try to um, yeah stay home with your kids and and homeschool them because and we're in get and start co-ops with other parents and then there are non-Muslims that are doing homeschooling too so you can work with them um, on things that are kind of in common like you know I don't know like biology stuff or um, you know or 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 you know art or different things that might make sense right. to do together yeah and um, and just because public schools are only getting worse and I have a lot, a lot of experience as a, a, a parent uh, with, of uh, four and now five children on this. So we can certainly talk about that in more detail in the, in the future. But um, I think that's a major way to try to, re- because we have to rescue this uh, generation. And this generation is, uh, when, what I, yeah. I, yeah, what I think about this generation is that um, I think a lot of them are going to, inshallah, a lot of them are going to find their way back uh, to Islam. Uh, somehow, mm-hmm. yeah. Somehow. somehow they will, yeah. Inshallah, mm-hmm. but but a lot of them are. It's a scary time. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them are not. And I'm speaking here from experience. Yeah. I'm speaking of experience as a parent. I'm speaking from experience in, as a volunteer in the community, not just a guy, some dude on Twitter or something. You know, um, I'm I'm very afraid. You know, um, and I have some other solutions, or I don't know, not solutions, but I have some potential things that you know strategies that might help but they would yeah they would take more uh a little more time but they would take more resources than i think muslims are willing to uh to put forward but i would consider something along the lines of like what the amish are doing um or orthodox jews uh which is to uh is to really um try to make a move towards um towards establishing communities like and maqasid is doing out here in uh, the allentown area of pennsylvania where they've got about you know many acres of land and they're, they're building a seminary out here. Um, and they've, you know, it's, it's not right now like a kind of Amish thing, but um, one could see how it could kind of go that way. I mean, so it's a, it's an intentional living community in a sense, you know, and I think we need more of those things. We need, yeah. um, you know, we need, uh, we need things like boarding schools uh, for, you know, for high schools. Um, uh, Sheikh Hamza told me one thing, he said, if he could do it all over again, he would have, he wouldn't have made Zaytuna a college. He would have made it a, a high school, you know, um, or like, yeah, or even like oh, a middle school, yeah. high school. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are, you know, yeah, those are. Start yeah. earlier than yeah. way later. Exactly. But would you say that um, this kind of isolation that's being advocated for leads to loss of Muslim political influence that we could possibly get? Or is political influence not even important at this point? We should just for- forsake it and just focus on ourselves. Well, one thing I'd say there is there is there's there's zero Muslim political influence right now. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> potential <laughs> potential future influence. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very very superficial at this point, and that's there's something you know. There's one has to reflect that we've been doing this. You know, look, Muslims have been at this for a long time. I, I mean, I think the first you know, MPAC was probably the first um, Muslim political affairs committee, and then you have uh, uh, American Muslim Council was more or less the second one. And then you have care, you know, and so like in that time, there's, and then, you know, others in that time, nothing has, um, there, there's no, no substantive uh, political influence going on right now. Now, um, uh, you, you do make a good point. I mean, like this, you know, isolationism and so on, is that a, um, is that really, does that not come with, come with its own set of negatives and so on? You know, I'm not really, um, you know, uh, I'm not really saying that Muslims would 
um, you know, should uh, should cut themselves off from the broader polity. That's not what I'm saying. There is a, uh, I, but I am saying that I think that we need we need certain we need some people to we need we need part of our community to take a um, uh, to take a, 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 a to make a move like this so that. Um, there's always somewhere that Muslims see, uh, let me give you an example. We were always talking about in the nineties. Oh, go and live in a Muslim country, go and live in a Muslim country, make Hijra, something like that, you know? And then, and then we tried it, you know, some, some of us tried it and it's like, Oh wait, no one speaks English. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm getting, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting uh, food poisoning and I can't handle the water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I miss hamburgers and French fries. I miss, you know what I mean? Like, and so it's just, it just often doesn't work, you know, in, in the long term. And, you know, I mean, you're considered a, a foreigner, you know, so it's, it's often difficult to do that. If we could um, do something along the lines of having, um, uh, you know, a sort of place of refuge, you know, where, um, uh, you know, like out in, yeah, like out in, I don't know, like uh, Montana, uh, Virginia, you know, Pennsylvania, some of these, uh, upstate New York, some of these places that have some very beautiful um, land and, and have almost like villages um, out there, um, where Muslims could, you know, and they tried this with, um, uh, Abiquiu, New Mexico, if any, you know, Google it, the listener should Google that. Um, so Abiquiu, I think it was pronounced, uh, spelled A-B-I-Q-U-E, New Mexico. Um, some, someone donated a lot of land to the Muslims, uh, in the eighties and they built a, um, beautiful, beautiful masjid out there. And I went to a, they used to hold retreats out there in the nineties. And I went to one of them. Uh, and, uh, it was really lovely. Like about six months after I became Muslim and the intent was at that time to do exactly this. It was sort of like an area for retreat, um, for re recharging the battery of the Muslims and so on. And, um, unfortunately it was just, way, yeah, unfortunately it was just way out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near where any Muslims lived, you know? So, I mean, it was like just too impractical, but if, <laughs> but if you, yeah, but if you were to do that and then you've got, you know, another cautionary tale is like, you know, Al Fuqara, these guys out and um, you know who used to be part of the Darul Islam movement, who uh, started these like what amounts to essentially like trailer parks, you know, um, you know that are just all um, mostly a total uh, disaster, yeah, disaster. And they 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 did that the wrong way, you know. What I mean, they they kind of um, reach, you know, you know, I'm, you know, what this would be is not a um, um, is not a uh, cutting um, them uh, us off. But but rather just you know just establishing something a little bit um, you know like I said something where where Muslims could go and recharge it. There there's a very good example that I would um, give in um, something called the Bruderhof. The Bruderhof spelled B-R-U-D-E-R-H-O-F. Um, they're a denomination, a Protestant denomination, Christian denomination, somewhat like the Amish, kind of related to them. But what they do is they've got so they've got like mm-hmm. um, two I believe they got two villages. Um, that are they call them intentional living communities. Um, they're, they're villages and farmland, and um, they've got um, uh, factories where they make very state of the art um, th- uh, like um, uh, appliances for handicapped kids. And they've got another factory uh, somewhere where they make um, uh, f- toys for um, uh, for Montessori schools. Um, yeah, and they're they're mm. the highest quality for both both of these industries that they that they have. So they have a lot of money coming in, 
they um and yet mm. the only people who are allowed to have technology like phones and stuff are people who really need it for that for that um you know for 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 whatever occupations that are, are going on yeah exactly but everyone else lives very simply they're mm. they're they're what they call a plain dressing which in their uh, terminology means um you know essentially everyone dresses very modestly dresses kind of very old-fashioned um similar to the way mennonites and amish dress and um, and yet they're, they're very, very uh, involved in um, political life. And when I say political life, I don't mean government. I mean, um, uh, in, um, let's say, like matters of public concern. You know, they, they, they have um, positions that they take. They have things that they, you know, issues that they support and so on and so on. Um, and yet they, they, and they, and they also have a location in Brooklyn, you know, where, where it's, um, you know, it's a, a it's in the city, you know what I mean. So, so I think that these kind of um, something like this would be um, really helpful. And 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 what what I would suggest, and what I would suggest too, is having more seminaries like Dar al Qasim, like Al Maqasid, um, to uh, uh, to train uh, imams and to train uh, uh, scholars. Um, high schools, we need high schools like like Sheikh Hamza was saying, Zaytuna type high schools. Um, so anyway, those are those are some ideas of I think, you know, um, where we could um, uh, uh, cr- create a real sustainable Muslim community instead of, you know, this thing where we're gonna, you know, we're just losing so many, so many. Yeah, actually, in in uh, Malaysia, we have this kind of safe haven where you know on campus it's uh, like a bubble, you can say, where you know you hear the then you're going mm-hmm. to classes, you're separated from the women. And it just feels like you're literally getting charged, like you're saying. Because when we come back and come, you know, come home, you feel that that missing, I don't know, that missing vibe or something's missing. And if Bilal can attest to this, you really, it, this this thing is, we really need this kind of a safe haven. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like you know, you would, uh, you know, in the university, it's quite insulated. Like Salman said, there's masajid and masala everywhere. Uh, there's gender segregation and. It's, it's really easy to get your dose of Islam, but when you go to KL, you know, Kuala Lumpur, the city, it's obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, completely different. Yeah, reality hits back. Your reality hits you back, exactly. but then you can just go back to the university and there's no, there's no major issue. So I, yeah, I would agree with you on that point. Yeah, uh, exactly Islam. right. Yeah, yeah, exactly and, right. And uh, I think on that note, we'll wrap things up. We're hitting the one hour mark and we don't want to hold you any longer <laughs> than we already have, <laughs> brother Ismail. Uh, Hopefully we, we can get you back on because we didn't answer so, a lot of questions. Yeah, we <laughs> so, have a lot more to talk about. And also we're missing our, our third uh, host, uh, Omer. So we miss you, Omer. We hope you're well. And then inshallah we can get you on next time <laughs> with us. But uh, on that note, um, to our listeners, uh, once again, thanks for stopping by the Caravan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.